What's going on? Good morning. How's everybody doing? Did everyone have a good week? Everyone ready to go this morning? Uh, we are starting a brand new series called Live, Love, Dance, and Repeat. And it's February, and so we usually like to do a relationship series just because it's loves on everyone's mind. Uh, but I get to do the live portion this morning. And what I truly believe is that we need to learn how to live in Jesus, in his peace, and is in contentment fully before we can ever really love fully. And so that's really what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Uh, we're just immediately going to go get into our scripture. It's out of Philippians chapter 4. Read it with me. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for just the chance for us to come together, God, and worship you, Lord. Father, I believe that you have something uh, very amazing here for us this morning, God. God, your promises and your truth that I know can truly just bring us to a place of true contentment and true peace. And so I just pray that you will speak to every single one of us. Just let us be open to you, God. Let you be glorified in this time together. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so how many people are on social media, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, you know, I have a Twitter and I have an Instagram. I, I rarely use it. Uh, and then my wife and I share a Facebook. But when I'm on these social media outlets, uh, I notice that people can kind of fall into different categories based off of their posts. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you have the I post everything that I do throughout my entire day, people. You know, they they. They tweet or they post on Facebook, you know, I woke up this morning, it was raining, so I knew I needed to get my raincoat out of the closet, but it had a hole in it, so I just know I had to sew that really quick, and then the kids got up, and I had to get them breakfast, get them ready for school, hashtag life of a mom, and then, you know, I got in the car, drove to work, you know, talking to my husband, got a flat tire, but luckily, he was able to come and fix it, you know, literally their entire day on social network. And so, you know, and it's cool. If you're one of those people, all the power to you. I don't know how you do it, but it is it's awesome. You know, you really get some insight into people's lives. You know, then you also have the, the people that post everything they can to, to create conflict. You know, I'm going to post a, you know, a picture. I'm going to post a news article so then I can just argue about it with people. You know, just look for every single reason. You'll just see comment after comment of people arguing about something as small as the weather. You know, and then you have what I like to call the, the like or the retweet fishers. You know, these are the people that try to find the absolute perfect quote or the absolute perfect picture to post. They get as many likes and as many retweets as possible. And if you really want to get all the likes and the retweets, just post the scripture. Because then people like me will feel guilty just scrolling on by that without liking that scripture. And so, and then there are the people uh, that will post every single picture of their kids, and I'm this one. You know, there's my son Judah, and I post nonstop pictures of him, and that is him and his, well, that's actually dad's glasses, but it's cute either way. 
Um, but yeah, we all fit into these different categories uh, on Facebook. But what I do notice about social media as you scroll through it, it's, you know, you can get instant access to everyone's life. You're going to get instant access to all this information. And quite honestly, uh, I noticed that it's a very easy way to become discontent with your own life. You know, because you scroll through Facebook, you scroll through Twitter, and you see, oh, such and such just got to go on this amazing vacation. I haven't gone on one in like five years. You know what? You start to scroll, and you're like, man, like this person's about to retire. I'm nowhere close to that. Or, you know, you, you scroll through, and you're like, man, look at the car they just got. Look at the promotion they just got. Look at the house they just got. I'm, I'm nowhere near any of those things. And discontentment can start to set in. You know, let's take it a look from a relationship standpoint. You know, if you're single, uh, there are, I'm sure there are times when you're scrolling through and it just seems like you're getting inundated nonstop with all your friends and their relationships. You know, maybe you're married and, and maybe your, your marriage is going through a rough spot. You're going through some trials. You're going through some tough situations. And it just seems like every time you're on Facebook, you're just inundated and bombarded with how great your friends' marriages are, how great your friends' relationships are. You know, and what we begin to do is begin to look at our own lives, and we begin to come a little bit discontent. But the whole thing with social media is that it's just a front door. You know, it's this front door and well-manicured lawn of what seems to be perfect on the outside, but no one's really posting their struggles. No one's really posting their hurts. The majority of the time, you're getting people's highlight reels. You know, it's a percentage of reality. Yet we sit and we look at these realities and, and we kind of start to look into our own lives and we start to see, you know what, like my life looks nothing like that. Look at all this joy they're experiencing. Look at all these great, wonderful things they have. When I look at my life and I can see everything, whereas I look at their life and I'm just seeing a percentage of real, this highlight reel. But, you know, I think the thing is when we look at our scripture, and we look at what Paul is saying to the Philippian church. Uh, we don't have to have this, this period of discontent. We don't have to have this place of discontentment. You know, what we can decipher from the scripture, Paul is talking to the Philippian church. And he's essentially telling them, you know, they're giving him this gift and he's so thankful for it. You know, they've seen a need in Paul and they're trying to meet it. But he's like, he's using it as an opportunity. He's using it as an opportunity to teach them. You know, he says that he has learned to be content with whatever he has, whether he has plenty or little, whether he has nothing or everything. He has found contentment because he has discovered what living really is. And it is built up in this truth that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, it is in Jesus that we find strength and satisfaction and life. But I'm well aware that this is a very difficult thing to embrace, especially in the midst of our various day-to-day -day trials and circumstances and situations. You know, especially when we also live in a society where we are reminded every day by ad agencies about what we lack, what we need, what will make us happy, you know, I, I'm told that I'm falling behind in society because I have an iPhone that's two years old. You know, our culture loves to point these things out. They love to point out what we lack. But Paul is teaching that when we are in Christ, we lack nothing. You know, I want us to be aware of how discontentment creeps into our lives 
and into our relationships so that we can defeat it and truly live in that peace of Christ. That no matter what our relationship status, no matter what our financial status, our social status, or even Facebook status may be, we can live in peace. You know, one of the, the first ways that I see discontentment creeps into our lives is through impatience. And so that brings me to my first point. Impatience leads to imperfect decisions. You know, I've done it so many times, and I've seen others do it so many times. You know, we desire to trust in the Lord. We want his will above all else. But when it doesn't happen quick enough, when it doesn't happen in the timing that we want, we take matters into our own hands, and we make choices and decisions that just blow up in our face, set us back even further, and we wonder, how the heck did I get to this point? You know, we let our impatience lead us into imperfect decisions. You know, when I was single, I made this mistake numerous times. I would say, God, I want the one you created for me. You know, I want all that you have. I want the job you created for me. I want everything that you created for me. But I would get so impatient making impulsive decisions and would just end up empty, broken, and further away from God's will. When in reality, during that season, God was wanting me to be patient and still. Because he wanted to harvest my relationship with him. Wanted me to form my identity in him so that I can be who he wanted me to be. Which would ultimately make me a better boyfriend and a better husband to my spouse. Would make me a better worker. Would make me a better person. You know, you see, there's always purpose in the waiting. You know, maybe you're going through a difficult season financially or emotionally. Or even within your marriage and you just don't understand why God hasn't answered the prayer yet. But in this period of waiting, I want to let you know that God is pruning you, teaching you, perfecting you. There is purpose in our waiting. Wait upon the Lord, the one who is perfect, so that our impatience won't lead us to imperfect decisions, which will cause more struggle and weariness. But we can put our trust and give God control because he's the only one that is capable of making a perfect decision because he is what is perfect. You know, far too often we take control depending on our own efforts and our own strength. You know, we keep this tight grip. It, it, we just refuse to let go. We're like, no, I have to do this. No, I have to change the circumstance. No, I have to figure out how to do this. All on my own. I can, I can do this depending on my own strength. And we kind of just tell God, you know, God, I got this. And in essence, we're telling God, I know better than you. And we try and we try and we work and we work to make this happen or that happen. And we just get exhausted. We just get weary. And we just end up making wrong choices, setting ourselves further back from all that God has for us. You know, let's look at the book of Isaiah. Go to, go to chapter 40. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See, the scripture is painting a picture for us. Physically speaking, these youths and these strong men should have the greatest energy and the greatest stamina more than anyone else, including me. <laughs> but Isaiah says that even they will eventually grow weak. So we can decipher that in their own physical strength, in their best efforts, they will end up tired and they will end up weak. 
And spiritually speaking, this is the exact, this is the exact same thing. Because even in our strongest hour, putting forth everything that we have, we will eventually come to a place where we are tired, exhausted, and at our wit's end. We take control of our lives. And like birds just flapping our wings, working so hard, using all of our efforts to change this situation, to, to change this circumstance, just giving it everything that we have, just growing tired and growing tired. But through this scripture right here, God is saying, stop. I want something better for you than your best effort. Trust your circumstances, trust your future, trust your relationships, trust your decisions to me. Trust them into my care and you will find new strength. You won't have to flap your wings anymore to change your situation, but you can rest in my leading and just soar. See, you will be able to endure all things because you are no longer depending on your own strength and your own efforts, but you are depending on Depend on him. He never fails. And our impatience can really breed discontentment. But when we choose to wait upon the Lord, we can know that even in the waiting, there is movement and a promised peace. Because even when we're soaring, we're moving. You know, another thing that I, I noticed that really breeds discontentment in our lives is we tend to sometimes compartmentalize our relationship with God. And so essentially what I mean is my next point, that God shouldn't just be first. He should be the first, the last, and everything in between. You know, in our lives based off of routines and checklists, if we aren't careful, we can make God a component of our day instead of making God the center of every component of our day. You see, God wants to be involved in everything that we do daily. Our relationships, our time, our thoughts, our struggles, our triumphs. You know, and I've been guilty of this many times. Seeking God first in the morning, you know, doing my prayer time, doing my Bible reading, doing my devotionals. But then leave there and just go throughout the rest of my day. Leaving God here. Because I've just put him off my checklist. Put him off my routine. God wants to be at the center of everything. You know, if you're single, God doesn't just want you to spend time with him over here just, just working on your relationship with him. He wants to be over here, too, uh, with every single guy that asks for your number, ladies. And, 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 guys, every single girl that you want to talk to, God wants to be in that just as much as he's over here with your relationship with him. No, if you're, if you're married, God wants to be, yes, in your alone time with him and your seeking and your Bible reading. But he also wants to be over here with how you treat your spouse, with how you treat your kids, with how you look at your finances, with how you look at every single circumstance, every single situation, every single trial. He wants to be a part of everything. You know, let me put it to you another way. Uh, you know, we have different components of our lives. You know, we have our church life, which, you know, contains what we're doing right now. You know, corporate worship which includes our, our, you know, our small groups, includes our volunteering. It includes everything that we do here on Sundays. And it's very easy for us to make God the center of this. But then over here in our day-to-day -day life, we also have the components of, you know, my family life, my work life, my entertainment life. You know, all these other components that make up our day-to-day -day life. But here's the thing. If I'm just allowing God to be the center over here, 
then I look no different than the rest of the world except on Sundays. God wants to be over here as well in every single facet. Because just as Paul alluded to in the Philippians, the way to remain in peace, the way to remain in contentment is in Christ. So if I'm only in Christ over here on Sundays and in my just devoted time to God, but I'm not in him as I'm dealing with all of these other facets of my life, I'm just leaving an open door for discontentment to creep in. You know, uh, maybe we look at Paul's life and, and we're like, you know what, uh, that's great and all that, that Paul was able to, to find that, that we can have that perfect peace and that we can have that contentment in all situations. But you know what, he doesn't have the spouse that I have. You know, he doesn't have the trials that I'm facing in my marriage right now. You know, uh, maybe you're single and you're saying, you know what, and that's great. You know, Paul lived a single life, was happy to do that. But you know what, I believe that I'm supposed to have someone and it's just not happening. It's so frustrating. How, does, how did Paul find peace in that? You know, Paul didn't have the job that I have. He didn't have to deal with what I deal with on a daily basis. The people that I interact with on a daily basis. These crazy environments that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Paul didn't have to deal with that. It's so hard to remain in that peace. But if we're honest and we look at Paul's life, if anyone had a reason to be discontent, it was Paul. You know, look at this quick rundown of some of the things Paul's been through in his life in 2 Corinthians. I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count. At death's door time after time, I've been flogged, I've been lashed, I've been beaten, I've been pummeled with rocks, I've been shipwrecked, immersed in the open sea. Traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, betrayed by those I thought were my brothers, I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxiety of all the churches, that when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. That when someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. See, by our logic, Paul had every right to be discontent in those experiences. But you see, even on all of those experiences, Paul knew that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And instead of just having God in one component of his life, in every single one of those experiences, in every single one of those trials, in every single thing he went through, God was at the core. And so instead of allowing discontentment to set in, Paul actually boasted in his weaknesses, glorified God through it, led others into a deeper relationship with God, and also grew into a deeper relationship with God himself. You see, and this same man says, look, this is how you, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. In Romans 12, he says, and I'm going to read from the message. I just love this language. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity or always making you discontent, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, when we are really putting God first, this is what it looks like. Not just putting him first in our day, but putting him first in every facet of our day and every facet of our lives. You know, another way that I've noticed that discontentment comes in, and really, if you want to be discontent, focus on tomorrow instead of today. And that is exactly what my, my next point is. Tomorrow's focus equals today's ineffectiveness. You see, it, we live in a society that is so focused on the next thing that we miss the right now. You know, we live in a society that lives for the weekend where, you know, we just want to get through our work week so that we can just get to that weekend and we can just focus and do the things that we really want to do. You know, or we get so focused and so consumed on the things that we lack, the things that we feel like we need to get, that we completely miss the moment. You know, or we become so focused on what could or couldn't happen tomorrow that we completely miss the right now. You see, uh, when we are single, we can focus on what we don't have and resent our situation when God is wanting to do something in the now, in this season. You know, when we are married, we can get so focused on all the things that our spouse is doing wrong, on all the things that, that they lack, instead of embracing the good and then praying for the bad. Because in reality, the one that can fix what is happening that isn't good the most is God. So even when you feel like you're not doing something, by giving it to God, just like we learned about, you are doing something. You know, too often we focus on the lack instead of the have, and then we focus on the tomorrow instead of the right now. You know, the first generation Israelites that were rescued out of slavery in Egypt were famous for focusing on what they lacked instead of what they have. You know, as God was leading them to the promised land, he brought them out of slavery he, he, they witnessed as he parted seas for them that he lit the night so that they can travel. He covered them during the day. He kept them protected. He even just made food fall from the sky for them. They woke up every morning, boom, food, you know. But these people could only focus on everything that they thought they lacked, everything they thought they didn't have. When in reality, if they just would have looked, they had God, therefore lacking nothing. They struggled to see what God was doing in the moment. You know, Matthew 6, 34, it, Jesus tells us himself, don't worry about tomorrow. For today has enough worries of its own. God wants to do something today. God wants to do something in your relationships today. God wants to do something in your circumstances today. He doesn't want to get to it tomorrow. He wants to do something in this moment. 
Even if the conclusion won't happen until tomorrow, in this moment, God wants to do something to get to that conclusion and make that conclusion even better. God wants to do so much in us today. But if we're thinking and looking at tomorrow and everywhere else, we'll miss it. We have to go from focusing on tomorrow to focusing on giving God one moment at a time. Now, the last thing that I think breeds discontentment that I really want to talk about, and, and this is a big one, and that is that we have a tendency to be deceived by need. You know, like I referenced earlier, we live in America that is constantly trying to tell us what we need in order to be successful, what we need in order to be happy, what we need in order to keep up. And they do a great job of convincing us of this. You know, the enemy attempts to do this as well. Oh, you feel alone? You just need a boyfriend or a girlfriend. doesn't matter who. Oh, you're having a difficult time in your marriage? You just need a divorce. Oh, you're, you're feeling hurt and upset? Just turn to that bottle. It'll drown it out. You know, oh, you're unhappy. You just need a bigger house, a better job, a better environment, a better car, a better vacation, a better everything. Deceived by need. You see, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, and and I believe it was written by King Solomon. Some people debate it, but I, I believe it was written by King Solomon. And and he's this. If you don't know anything about Solomon, he's the son of King David. And God said, Solomon, ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God being just loving the fact that Solomon wanted wisdom, gave him wisdom and more than you could possibly imagine, and then also gave him more riches than you could possibly imagine. So we have Solomon. In all of his wisdom, it literally understood everything about the world. And literally had everything that you could possibly imagine or want or desire in the world. So we can kind of look at it. We can kind of perceive, man, Solomon must have been one happy dude. But he wrote in all of his riches, in all of his wisdom, everything is meaningless. What a bummer, right? You know? But he said, except for this. Fear God. And obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. This man had everything and found discontentment in it. Why? Because true contentment, true peace, true life isn't in what we have or what we don't have. It isn't in having more or having less. It can't be found in another person. It can't be found in the successes of our hands. Meaning and life and contentment is found in one thing, Jesus. See, isn't this exactly what Paul was saying to the Philippian church? You know, and I propose that this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew chapter 6. And, and we've been in Matthew chapter 6 all through first. And I want us to read it starting at verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. You see, 
I believe that Jesus in this scripture is telling us this. Yes, you need food to survive. Yes, you need water to survive. Yes, you need clothing to survive, but what you really need to live, what you really need to survive, what your souls hunger for, what your souls thirst for, what covering you really need is me. You live your lives in pursuit of these things, but you'll get hungry again. You'll get thirsty again. Your clothes will get worn and you'll need new ones. But in me, you will never go thirsty again. You'll find satisfaction that you hunger for in me. You'll find refuge and love and strength in my covering. Because you think you need these things. But what you need above all else, even these most basic things of life, is me. See, when, when God created the earth before sin ever entered the picture, God provided Adam and Eve with everything they needed. Adam and Eve weren't worried about it. They just knew God and knew that they had everything that they needed in him and through him. And that is still the same God, and, and he still wants to provide you with everything you need. But first, you have to recognize it. And you have to recognize that he is your greatest need and let everything in your life flow through him. He knows what you need to survive, what you need to live. And look, I'm not saying you don't have to work anymore. I'm not saying that you don't have to go to the grocery store and and buy the food and cook it. But what I am saying is if you want to truly live, if you want to find contentment with a belly full or belly empty, Find contentment whether you're single or whether you're married. In sickness and in health, if you want to find peace in all situations, in all circumstances, as great or as horrible as they might be. If you want to not worry about tomorrow and live each moment to its fullest, it's Jesus. What we all need is Jesus. Contentment and peace is Jesus. You see, I believe the essence, the very core of what Paul was telling the Philippian church is this. Focus upward, not outward. See, God doesn't want what is happening around us to influence us. He wants to be the influencer in our lives. And he wants us to influence our situations. He wants to use us to influence what's around us, not the other way around. He doesn't want what you have or don't have to define you. He doesn't want a relationship or a job title to define you. He wants to show you who you are. You know, society can take a look at our lives all they want and try to tell us we aren't good enough or that we need more. But we know the truth. You know, and the enemy can, can use his tactics all that he wants and try to deceive us, but it'll be in vain. Our friends' highlight reels can just keep scrolling through our Twitter feeds and our Facebook feeds, but we know the secret to living. It's Jesus, who in all circumstances, in all situations, whether in plenty or little, in every relationship status or social status, is present. He's wanting to lead us and keep us in his perfect peace. And Jesus is more than enough. I'm going to ask the band to come out. and During these last moments together, 
I don't know what God's been speaking to you about this morning. You know, as I was working on this message, God showed me a lot of my own areas that I have allowed discontentment to creep in. You know, maybe there are compartments in your life where you're like, yeah, you know what? In this, in this part of my life right now, I am very discontent. I want you to come to the altar as we sing this song. And I want you to surrender that area to God. And find his peace. Find this peace that Paul talks about. You know, maybe you're at a place in your life, you know, with your relationship. Single, married, whatever it may be. And you've become dissatisfied, discontent with your current situation, and you've been trying to just change the situation yourself, just, just grasping at everything that you possibly can to make this happen or to make that happen, I want you to come to the altar this morning, and I want you to lay that before God and truly surrender it. You know, maybe you have never truly surrendered any part of your life to God. Or maybe, you know what, I've given God all this, but there's still this one area that I'm just holding on to. I want you to come this morning. Come to the altar if God is pulling on your heart. And I want you to surrender everything to him. Find that perfect peace in him. Find that contentment that Paul is talking about. That no matter what you lack, you can find that you have everything in Jesus. And so, and I love this song that we're about to do. And, and it is. It's all about a surrender. It's all about truly and fully surrendering. So as we sing it, I just want you to be obedient to whatever God is telling you to do this morning. Don't leave here if you have discontentment. Don't leave here the way that you came in because you have a chance right now to surrender it to God and walk out of here freer and more peace than you could possibly imagine. So as we worship through this song, don't hesitate. Just come and just lay before God whatever it is that he's speaking to you to lay before him to find that peace.